Welcome to the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Why does this topic matter? One person in the United States dies from a drug overdose every six minutes. We as healthcare providers must do better to treat addiction, prevent overdoses, and improve the lives of our patients and their families. This podcast is designed to provide you with simple and evidence-based information on substance use disorders that you can use to take better care of your patients on your next shift. Greetings all. Welcome back to another episode of Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care. Dr. Casey Grover here once again as your host. We are once again celebrating our one-year anniversary of the podcast It has been fantastic to see the numbers of episodes and the number of listeners rise over the year we've been doing this. I get feedback on how many downloads each episode gets, and the literature reviews seem to be the least popular. So I'm going to move away from those types of episodes and stick to the more standard episode format where we review one or more papers and try to answer a clinical question. I've also had a few folks try to reach out to me to provide feedback on episodes, so I created an email address for me for my work on this podcast. So if you want to reach out, say hi, tell me my audio equipment is lousy, or suggest an episode, you can email me at addictionemac at fastmail.com. Once again, addictionemac at fastmail, F-A-S-T, dot com. And while we're at it, if you're interested in leaving a review of my podcast on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts, I'd love to hear what you think. Okay, on to today's episode. This episode has been brewing in the back of my mind for a while. I've had a number of patients in the emergency department over the years that don't mention alcohol use, but when I get their labs back, their labs look concerning for alcohol use, such as a high MCV or a high AST. And I've wondered, how accurate are lab tests in determining if a person is consuming alcohol? And can the lab tests give us an idea of how severe a patient's alcohol use disorder is? or how much are they drinking based on what the lab tests say. So since this podcast is evidence-based, I dove right into the literature, and I was pleasantly surprised that I found a paper right away that looks directly at this topic. It's entitled, The Utility of Commonly Used Laboratory Tests to Screen for Excessive Alcohol Use in Clinical Practice. That was exactly what I was looking for. The lead author was Gina Go, and it was published in 2015 in the journal Alcohol Clinical Experimental Research. So, let's dig into this paper. The authors begin with some background on the topic. They note that being able to screen for ongoing alcohol use is particularly important in patients with underlying liver disease, as cessation of alcohol is essential for slowing or stopping the progression of liver disease. They also add that identifying excessive alcohol use in a general medical practice can be essential as it allows the provider to intervene 
so as to counsel the patient to reduce alcohol intake or initiate treatment for alcohol use disorder. Said in another way, if you don't know a patient is drinking alcohol in an unhealthy way, you can't help them with it. Several lab tests have previously been identified as potential markers of heavy alcohol use. The authors list GGT, which is gamma glutaryl transferase, AST, aspartate aminotransferase, ALT, alanine aminotransferase, MCV, mean corpuscular volume, and CDT, carbohydrate deficient transferrin. Previous work on this topic has suggested that an elevated AST and ALT with AST more elevated than ALT is predictive of alcohol use. We can all remember that classic teaching from medical school that AST is elevated 2 to 1 in terms of the ratio over ALT in patients with alcohol use. However, the authors found that they couldn't find much evidence in the literature as of 2015 on how good each test was at predicting alcohol use, so they did this study. They recruited 272 subjects with alcohol use disorder who were admitted to an alcohol rehabilitation program in Indiana. All subjects had consumed alcohol within the previous 72 hours prior to admission. And they compared these 272 subjects with alcohol use disorder to 210 healthy volunteers who did not have an alcohol use disorder. They also recruited a group of 76 patients with known alcoholic liver disease who were being treated at a hepatology clinic so they can more specifically examine how alcoholic liver disease affects the AST and the ALT. These patients were known to have alcoholic cirrhosis with men averaging 80 grams per day of alcohol and women averaging 50 grams a day of alcohol for at least 10 years. They also wanted to see how labs would change after a cessation of alcohol so they looked at another group of 45 patients who were in an alcohol treatment program and drew their blood every week or every other week to see how the labs changed over time. That's a pretty cool design in my opinion. The authors described their plans for statistical analysis and they planned to use a receiver operating characteristic analysis to be able to calculate the area under the curve for each lab test. They also planned to see if they could calculate sensitivity, specificity, positive predictive value, and negative predictive value for each lab test. They also looked at the various ratios of AST and ALT to see what ratio was most predictive of alcohol use. And then they also looked at the 45 patients in treatment and looked at how their labs changed over time. And a brief aside, if you're like me, when you hear area under the curve, and a receiver operating characteristic, you make this noise. Ugh. So let's take a minute to remind ourselves how this statistic works. Here's the basic idea. The receiver operating characteristic involves plotting a curve where true positive rate is on the y-axis and the false positive rate is on the x-axis. The curve is drawn based on the rate of true positives and false positives. With a high rate of true positives and a low rate of false positives, the curve plots up and to the left, so the area under the curve is large. This suggests 
the test is highly accurate. If the test has a low number of true positives and a high rate of false positives, the curve plots down and to the right, so the area under the curve is small. So, bottom line, when looking at how accurate a test is, we're trying to find a high area under the curve, or AUC, to suggest the test is accurate. Back to the paper. All right, on to the results. In the two groups that the authors compared, 272 people with alcohol use disorder versus 210 healthy volunteers without an alcohol use disorder, here are the baseline demographics. People who had an alcohol use disorder were older, 40 versus 33. Patients who had an alcohol use disorder were more likely to be female, 33% versus 14%. Both groups were 80% white. And patients who had an alcohol use disorder were, obviously, drinking more. 257 drinks in the previous 30 days versus 13. And 8.6 drinks on average per day versus 0.5. They found that AST, GGT, MCV, and CDT were all higher in patients with alcohol use disorder compared to the healthy controls. However, they found that the ALT was higher in the healthy controls. Interestingly, the body mass index, or BMI, was higher in the healthy controls than in the alcohol-consuming group, so they thought that this was the reason that the ALT was higher. When looking at the ability of each of the tests to predict alcohol use, they found the following area under the curve, or AUC values, for the lab tests that were higher in the alcohol-consuming group as compared to the healthy control. CDT had an area under the curve of 0.77. GGT, area under the curve of 0.68. MCV, area under the curve of 0.66. AST, area under the curve of 0.61. And for reference, an AUC of 1 would mean that the test is perfect. An AUC of 0.5 would mean that the test is as good as a coin flip, meaning it's 50-50. So overall, these tests are okay at predicting alcohol use, but not great. And if you're wondering what the carbohydrate deficient transferrin test is, or CDT, I hadn't heard of it either. And it's not available as a test at my hospital that I can order. So let's take a minute to dig into what the CDT test is. Carbohydrate deficient transferrin is a substance that carries iron, in the bone marrow, liver, and spleen. Alcohol causes an elevation of the level of this substance in the body. The more alcohol is consumed, the more the level goes up. The cutoff level, considered to be predictive of heavy alcohol use, is somewhere between 1.7% and 2%, depending on the lab. Above that, the test is considered, quote, positive for heavy alcohol use. It is generally thought that it takes about two weeks of consuming five or more drinks per day to cause the percent CDT to rise to an abnormal level. CDT lasts in the body for 15 days, so a cessation of alcohol will cause the level to decline over that time period. Back to the article. The authors dug a little deeper into the two tests with the best AUC values, GGT and CDT 
and they found that the degree of perturbation of the lab test was loosely correlated with the amount of alcohol consumed, meaning that the more people drank roughly overall, the more abnormal the test was likely to be. Now, let's move on to the cohort of the 76 patients with known alcoholic cirrhosis. The authors again wanted to find out what AST, ALT, and GGT did in patients with known alcoholic cirrhosis. They found that AST and GGT were more elevated in those with known alcoholic liver disease as compared to those without known alcoholic liver disease, but they also found that the ALT was lower in those who had alcoholic liver disease as compared to those without liver disease. They interestingly also found that only 2% of patients had an AST elevated more than ALT in a ratio of 2 to 1. 46% of patients had a ratio of AST to ALT of less than 1, and 51% had a ratio of AST to ALT of between 1 to 1 and 2 to 1. And on to the last group. The 45 patients with an alcohol use disorder who entered a treatment program and who had lab tests drawn over the 12 weeks of their treatment. The patients had an average of 234 drinks in the previous month before entering the treatment program. At baseline, when entering treatment, AST and ALT were overall normal. The ratio of AST to ALT was 1.1 and only GGT was found to be elevated on average twice the upper limit of normal. Over the 12-week treatment period, AST and ALT did not change, while GGT, MCV, and CDT declined. So, what does this all mean? The authors move on to the discussion section. The authors state their findings pretty clearly. Quote, we found that the commonly used markers have fairly low sensitivities to detect excessive alcohol use, end quote. CDT was the most sensitive, but that's not helpful for me since A, I had never heard of it and have never used it, and B, I can't order it at my hospital. GGT was the next most sensitive lab test. The authors also note that they did not find a high AST to ALT ratio in patients with heavy alcohol use or with alcoholic cirrhosis, which goes against the traditional teaching that AST is elevated at a 2 to 1 ratio over ALT in patients with liver problems related to alcohol. So, my takeaway from this is that labs can be helpful, but they can also miss significant alcohol use. Now, I wasn't quite satisfied with what I found from this paper, so I went and looked in the literature and I found another study on this topic. The title was, Correlation of Type quantity, and duration of alcohol consumption with biochemical markers and liver function tests. The study was published in 2020 in the journal Primary Care Companion for CNS Disorders, and the lead author was Sushil Karada. The authors begin by describing the reason for doing the study. I loved this quote. Quote, the diagnosis of alcohol use disorder is often based on the patient's self-reporting of alcohol consumption which is notoriously unreliable and must be reviewed with a high degree of clinical suspicion, end quote. While I do agree, the language is somewhat stigmatizing. Oh well. 
The authors point out that the clinicians need to detect heavy alcohol use before irreversible organ damage occurs. So, this was an observational study from the Department of Psychiatry at a hospital in India. They included all consecutive patients admitted to psychiatry with a history of alcohol consumption for greater than one year who drank at least two drinks a day for over a year. Patients with other serious medical conditions were excluded. They looked at hemoglobin, white blood cell count, MCV, GGT, AST, ALT, bilirubin, albumin, prothrombin time, lipid levels, and ultrasonography of the liver. All tests were completed within 24 hours of admission. They enrolled 103 patients, about 50% of which drank spirits, and about 53% of which drank more than 10 drinks per day. 70% of patients were between the ages of 30 and 50, and 99% were male. What did they find? Let's go lab by lab here. And just want to point out some of their lab cutoffs in India are slightly different than what we use in my practice here in California, but overall they were pretty close. So hemoglobin, 18% of patients were anemic. White blood cell count, 13% were leukopenic. MCV, 26% had an elevated MCV over 100. Total bilirubin, 34% had a value over 1. GGT, 81% had an elevated level. AST, 76% had an elevated level. ALT, 43% had an elevated level. And the ratio of AST to ALT was over 2 and only 20%. PT, 46% had an elevated level. And the cholesterol tests I didn't think were as helpful for us in the ED and acute care setting, but overall, most patients had relatively normal cholesterol levels. With ultrasound, 73% of cases had an enlarged liver, and 79% had signs of fatty liver disease. Okay, moving on to the discussion section. The authors review all of the lab findings that we went through. They finish with the conclusion that, quote, no single marker or test is able to evaluate or predict the extent of liver damage consistently, end quote. And really, unfortunately, no test is 100% able to detect heavy alcohol use. Now, this study wasn't quite as strong statistically as the first one, but it overall confirms what we found in the first study, which is that laboratory testing in patients with alcohol use can be helpful, but can also miss significant alcohol use. This study was also helpful in that it included ultrasound findings noting that hepatomegaly and fatty liver are also associated with alcohol use. Now, there are a few other points here worth considering. First, neither of these articles mentioned checking a serum alcohol level. A positive serum alcohol level obviously confirms recent alcohol use, so this would be another test that we can use. Second, Neither one of these articles mentions combining multiple findings together in assessing alcohol use. They looked at labs, or the ultrasound, in isolation. It would be interesting to consider how predictive a GGT and MCV would be as compared to either test alone. Intuitively, the more tests that are abnormal in a way that is suggestive of heavy alcohol use, the more likely a person is to truly have heavy alcohol use or an alcohol use disorder. So for me in my practice, 
I like to look at all the labs together, and then I can get a better picture of what's going on. And third, the progression of alcoholic liver disease is the subject of another podcast episode, but most simply, it starts with inflammation and progresses to fibrosis and scarring, ultimately leading to cirrhosis. Neither article talked about if tests can predict where a person with an alcohol use disorder is on that progression. Generally, AST, GGT, and ALT are markers of liver inflammation, so they will be elevated early and likely throughout the progression of the illness. However, bilirubin and prothrombin time, or PT, rise much later in the progression of alcoholic liver disease when there is significant fibrosis or even cirrhosis of the liver and the synthetic function of the liver is impaired. Okay, we're almost done here. One more point. I reached out to the addiction medicine doctor at my hospital to see if he uses CDT given that it has the best test characteristics for detecting alcohol use in the first study. And he told me no. He uses ethyl glucuronide, and ethyl sulfate. Oh man, I hadn't heard of those either, so I had to dig into those as well. The quick and dirty is that ethyl glucuronide and ethyl sulfate are both ethanol metabolites that are biomarkers of recent alcohol consumption that can be used to confirm or detect recent alcohol use. As I started to dig into the characteristics of the lab tests, there's quite a bit in the literature on this, so we're going to have to come back to them in a future episode. Before we get to take-home points, I just wanted to make one clarification. These laboratory tests to look for heavy alcohol use have multiple functions. The first one is detecting heavy alcohol use in a patient who is not in the ED or being admitted for a complaint directly related to alcohol and does not report heavy alcohol use. I sometimes see this in my practice where someone comes in for a complaint not related to alcohol, like syncope. And when I am working them up, I find a high MCV and an elevated AST and ALT. This can cue me to ask the patient about alcohol consumption, and I may find an alcohol use disorder that needs treatment. The second is when a person comes to the emergency department or is getting admitted, and they are asking for help with alcohol. We can use these laboratory tests to gauge how much damage alcohol has done to the patient's organs that are affected by alcohol. On the CMP, if they have an elevated AST and ALT, I will let them know that they have some liver damage and that if they stop drinking, this will likely be reversed. Hopefully, this gives them some motivation to be abstinent from alcohol. However, if I find that they have an elevated bilirubin, in addition, this portends more severe liver damage, so I may want to check a PT, a hepatic ultrasound, and consider avoiding some medications that are hepatically metabolized. And the third is when a person comes to the emergency department or is getting admitted and they admit to alcohol use, but they report a small or minimal amount and I am suspecting that they are downplaying their consumption or are hiding an alcohol use disorder. Lab tests, as we've discussed, can be a marker of chronic heavy alcohol use and lab findings can give me some talking points with the patient to point out that there are some signs of heavier alcohol use that we need to discuss. On to take-home points. Number one, there are a number of different lab tests that we routinely get in the ED and acute care setting that may be abnormal in the setting of chronic alcohol consumption. Unfortunately, none of them in isolation 
is a great test for reliably detecting heavy alcohol use. Number two, in one study, percent carbohydrate deficient transferrin, also known as percent CDT or CDT, was shown to be the most predictive test for heavy alcohol use. However, I don't personally have it available at my hospital, so you will need to see if it's available at yours. Number three, liver enzymes, AST and ALT, are classically taught to be elevated in a two-to-one ratio with chronic heavy alcohol use. However, in both studies we reviewed, this was not found to be true. While some patients did have AST elevated more than ALT in a two-to-one ratio, these patients were in the minority. Number four, neither one of these articles that we reviewed mentioned combining multiple findings together in assessing alcohol use. They looked at labs in isolation. Intuitively, the more tests that are abnormal in a way that is suggestive of heavy alcohol use, the more likely a person is to truly have heavy alcohol use or an alcohol use disorder. So for me in my practice, I like to look at all the labs together and then I can get a better picture of what's going on. And number five, liver ultrasonography was very helpful in assessing changes in the liver related to chronic alcohol use as patients with heavy alcohol consumption were frequently found to have hepatomegaly or fatty liver. While both hepatomegaly and fatty liver are nonspecific findings, when combined with laboratory tests that show signs of heavy alcohol use, they can support the diagnosis of heavy alcohol consumption. And that's a wrap. There are definitely other ways in which lab tests we commonly order are affected by alcohol, but this is what I could find in the literature as I reviewed it for this episode. I look forward to hearing from you if you want to reach out. My email for this podcast, once again, is addictionemac at fastmail.com. And I also look forward to reading your reviews, even if you think I'm totally boring. Bonus points if you share this podcast with a friend or colleague. Thanks for listening and thanks for what you do. And don't forget, treating substance use disorders saves lives.